This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're previewing the tennis and baseball seasons. Because yes, spring sports are almost upon us here at Bates. The women's swimming and diving team competed in the NESCAC championships last weekend, and the track and field teams continued their record-breaking year at the Valentine Invitational. Plus, we get you ready for the NESCAC basketball championships. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The women's basketball team welcomed UMaine Augusta to town on Friday, and Bates prevailed 75-44 to behind 20 points and 19 rebounds from senior co-captain Alec Capola in her final home game. Here's Capola again, the low block. Outside now for Connors. Left wing, Christoffi. Christoffi on the drive. Oh, my. Car with the block. Capola recovers, score it, and the foul. The Bobcats fell to Williams on Sunday, but Bates qualified for the NESCAC championships for the second straight year. They are the eighth seed, and they'll visit top-seeded Amherst this Saturday at 4 o'clock p.m. Meanwhile, the men's basketball team fell to Williams in a tight one on Sunday, losing their final home game by a count of 65-62. to Senior Marcus Delpesh led the way with 17 points and scored the 1,000th point of his career. Now back to Coyne, lob it in Marcus Delpesh. In the lane, shot up, there it is. got it! He's got a thousand points in his career! Marcus Delpesh, the 33rd player in Bates men's basketball history to score a thousand career points! Yeah, crowd loves it, and they, look at them, they know they've all got these signs to say a thousand on them, so crowd's really fired up, really really happy for Marcus, but at the same time happy for this team, because we needed his offense uh, all year and definitely here today. Bates is the seventh seed in the NESCAC championships, and they visit second-seeded Middlebury this Saturday at 2 o'clock p.m. Head coach John Furbush looks back on the regular season and looks forward to the quarterfinal matchup with the Panthers. Well, we're previewing the NESCAC championships here on the Bobcast with the head coach of the men's basketball team, John Furbush. And coach, before we get into the Bates-Middlebury matchup coming up this weekend, the regular season obviously concluded this past weekend against Williams and Marcus Delpesh is a thousandth career point. We've had some very good individual accomplishments this year with him with a thousand career points. Malcolm, the career blocks record. How cool has that been for you as a coach to see these guys reach those milestones? Very cool. Uh, it's, it's something that I, I anticipated what happened at some point during their four years here, and I'm just glad that in the last leg, Marcus was able to get that 1,000 points in our gym in front of our crowd. And, and obviously the things that Malcolm has done um, has been incredible uh, for four years on the defensive side of the ball. Absolutely. And obviously the Williams game itself, touch on it briefly. I mean, a close one. You guys came back there at the end. Um, I mean, how proud were you of your team to be able to fight back there at the end to almost pull out a, a, a big comeback there? Very proud. I mean, these guys fought the whole game, and, and obviously, um, you know, we had some chances with leads to push it out. Williams made a run, and, you know, big credit to how they, they played us. Um, but it's it's easy to, to just kind of fade away when you're down 8, down 10, and you're not making shots, and you're having trouble getting stops. But these guys just, you know, put their hard hats on and found a way to get back in the game. And we had a shot to send it to overtime that was contested. But, I mean, those are shots that you really you're going to have to make in conference play and then and in the playoffs in order for us to advance yeah, it seems like sometimes this year um the team has lived and died a little bit by the three-pointer is that something you've noticed 
Yeah, I think what's ha- the teams have started to guard us a lot different. I think early on, um, the the concern from our opponents was how do we guard Marcus and Malcolm, and so a lot of teams in the first few NESCAT games actually doubled the post either on the catch or on the bounce, and so what that enabled our guards to do is get some pretty wide open threes. And I think as the season has progressed, now opponents are saying, well, we're going to make the Twins beat us one on one in the block, and and so it's kind of limited our our three-point shots a little bit uh, just because they're guarding us more tightly on the perimeter. Uh, But at some level, when that ball gets kicked out, we're going to make some when it matters this weekend. Sure, and speaking of this weekend, you're going to Middlebury. Obviously, this team, you know, 20 wins this year for the Panthers, a very good team. We saw them right here at Alumni Gym in a game where, I mean, frankly, Middlebury – you guys outplayed them, in my opinion, and yet they somehow pulled down rebound after rebound after rebound on the offensive end. I mean, that's not normally what they do, though. So does that make you feel good about this matchup or bad about this matchup? Well, the beauty of film, Aaron, is that I, I figured out why they got so many rebounds. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, they're just a fundamentally sound team, and they do what they do, and they're good at it. Uh, where the rebounds hurt us were they drove by our guards, and when our big stepped to help, we never had help the helper. So when those balls came off the rim, their big guy was just wide open, caught it, laid it back in. Now, in defense to our guards, they were guarding Matt St. Amore, who's arguably the best player in the league, so they were kind of at a moral dilemma. Do I take away an open layup, or do I give the best player an open three? And and so we'll make that adjustment this weekend. But I I feel confident that we can play with these guys. Uh, Their tempo is crazy fast, but I think that we have the athletes to stay with them, so hopefully we can just limit their buckets in transition. Yeah, a lot of teams in the NESCAC are very balanced, like Tufts. You know, lots of different guys can score and whatnot. But Middlebury, Matt St. Amore, as you mentioned, I mean, he's the leading scorer, and it's not even close. This guy is their, like, go-to guy. So how does that change your defensive strategy when a team has such a, a, a superstar on on their end? Well, he's he's dynamite. He, he's not just a good scorer. He's a good passer as well. So what we really want to do is just make his touches difficult and limit him. Um, and then when he does get him. You know, we're going to put our best defender on him and have him play straight up and, and, and just take away everybody else. I think he's going to he's gonna score it no matter how you look at it. As long as we make his, his catches and his shots difficult and limit the other guys, I think we have a good chance to win. On the other side of the ball, we really want to make them guard us. I think that because they play so fast, they trap you into taking early shots, but we want to make sure they're the right early shots. And, and so Because if you miss those, then they're going the other way just as fast again. Uh, so we want to make sure that we make them guard, especially Matt, uh, so that he's... If he's going to play 40 minutes, he's going to be very, very tired. Right, and then for you guys on offense, you you have so many guards, it seems like, especially now with Sean Strickland coming back you know, into the rotation. So that's a challenge for you as a head coach, right, in terms of playing time? It's a huge challenge. It's, it's, it, it is hard because I think we have maybe eight, nine guards that can legitimately help us win games. And, and what we've done all year is kind of ride the hut guy. If someone goes in and makes a shot or makes a big play, we, we go with them for a while. You know the good and the bad thing for for them is that there's always somebody on the bench that is capable of doing all the things they are. So if they are not able to come in and get it done, we have another guy to to rotate. Now with Sean back, uh, you know this, this stability that he provides when he's got the ball in his hands uh, is is infectious to all of us, including myself. So you know this week of practice will be very important because I still think that we're, you know not that we're in a tryout mode, but we're going to see who emerges this week and who's ready to prepare for Middlebury because. We could go small with them. We could go big with them. And I think moving forward, that's where we're going to have an advantage with our different lineups. Some of the first years, obviously, very intriguing this year. Jeff Spellman and, and Nick Gilpin. Seems like Jeff's more aggressive and Gilpin a little bit more um, kind of 
being more of a distributor. I mean, it seems like he's got a pretty good shot, though. Are you looking for him to be more aggressive sometimes? Yeah, Nick, uh, and this is what this is good timing to talk about this because Middlebury actually doubled off Nick in the post uh, and just basically said, we're going to make Nick Gilpin shoot the ball. And uh, after a few possessions, he started to realize it and, and started to take some shots. But, I mean, he's a very, very good shooter. Nick, I hope you're listening to this when I tell you this, <laughs> that, like, when you're when you can – if you can take the shot, if you're open, you got to take it. I mean, that's he's he's a in practice he wins a lot of the shooting drills. But it's just not in his nature. He's more of a distributor first. But I think, you know, if he really cares about the well-being of this team, we need you to make some shots and and really just take some shots. So his drives become even more, gets even more separation from the defense. And, and then Jeff is just yeah, he's a dynamite player. Uh, he's very difficult to guard, so I'm intrigued to see how, when he comes into the game on Saturday, how Middlebury decides to match up with him. And then, obviously, it's much different when you're going on the road. I mean, what's it like playing at Middlebury? You've obviously been there before. Yeah, the, the place that got, it has a lot of energy. You know, Middlebury plays incredibly well in that gym, I think, similar to the way we play in alumni. Um, so they're going to play probably six points better there than they would if they were here. Uh but luckily, it's not a place that doesn't have, you know, there's some other schools that just don't have that vibe when you get in, whereas I feel like when you get to Middlebury, there's good energy. So, um, you know, we just plan to, I mean, the road trip's the thing that, that is just sucks. I mean, I just try, <laughs> there's no way around that. I mean, that's just yeah. a tough drive. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll leave Friday and, and make sure we get some proper rest. But uh, at this point in the year, I mean, I think we've probably played almost better on the road than we have at home. So I'm I'm interested to see if we can keep that going uh, on Saturday. And obviously for these seniors, I mean, these are do-or-die games, right? I mean, that, that must up the intensity a lot. Big time. You know, in a, in a weird way, looking back, I almost wish we had that mentality on Sunday against Williams because I feel like we played a little bit like we knew we had one more game left. Um, and that's hard to, you know, go into that game thing and well, do or die. But now it is do or die. Yeah. And I think these guys, the seniors especially, are going to have an incredible week of practice, you know, laser focus. Um, and I think they will be carrying us to victory on Saturday. All right, looking forward to it. The NASCAC Championship's coming up this weekend. Uh, John Furbush, thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. The women's swimming and diving team finished fifth out of 11 teams at the NASCAC Championships over the weekend. Their eighth consecutive top five finish. Bates tied a program record with nine all-NASCAC selections, including first-year Yannicka Ho. Ho had five all-NASCAC finishes, breaking Bates' record in the 500 and 100-yard butterfly along the way. She also led off the 200 freestyle relay, an event in which Bates broke the program, the pool, and the meet record on their way to an all-NASCAC finish. For her big weekend at her first NASCAC championships, Yannicka Ho is our female Bobcat of the Week. It was a really exciting weekend. It was a lot of fun to be there with the whole team and to just like really come together and have a lot of fun as a women's team. Three days of events, obviously. What was that like? It was exhausting for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a lot of swimming and a lot of um, hard work and everything, but I, it was really fun to... Like, I think the energy of the team really helped us get through the three days. Pretty sure your very first event, the relay on Friday, you broke the team, the team broke the relay team's record. So what was that like your first event at NESCAC and you break a team record already? Yeah, it was so exciting. I really think that the adrenaline and like the excitement of being at my first NESCACs like definitely helped me to go like a best time in the relay. So that was really exciting. This was your first chance to see like Williams and Amherst and everything. Uh, what was that like to go against that type of competition? Yeah, uh, it was definitely like a harder competition than we've had in the past at other meets, and they are like really fast schools, and so I think it was really fun. It definitely like pushed all of us to really show our best. 
And then for you personally, what event did you did you uh, think went the best? I mean, you you got second in a number of the events. But what event did you really feel uh, that you were really clicked there? I think uh, the hundred fly that was really exciting, and I think that that was my best event of the weekend. Um, I dropped a lot of time in that one, so that was also like a lifetime best for me. So it was really exciting, and I got second, so that was also fun. <laughs> I think it was a lifetime best and a school record, if not mistaken. Yeah, 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 it was. So that was exciting too. My name is finally going to be up there. So right, because I was yeah, Coach Casares always talks about the importance of you know being come faster and faster and faster and that's what you've done right yeah definitely so this is like the culmination of that and i think the hundred fly went really well now i i know nationals is there's always like we don't know necessarily who's going to go or in what event and so when do you find out are you are you nervous about that or what are you thinking right now um i actually also don't really know exactly how it works but i think that we find out like after this next weekend because there's men's NESCACs and I know a lot of teams go there and like swim a relay just to get a, a, a faster time um, but I think our relays are all placed really really well um, right now in the NESCAC so I'm sure some of them will go. And for you personally how cool would it be to represent the team there in Nationals? I would be so excited to represent Bates at Nationals. I think that would be really really fun and like a really cool opportunity. I mean, it's almost the end of the year, but so what do you think you've learned so far, um, the most important lesson you learned throughout your first year at Bates as a swimmer? Um, I would say that, like, just to relax and have fun. I think I came into, like, the swim season, like, really nervous, like, with a lot of really high expectations and goals. And um, I think that just, like, relaxing and having fun and enjoying the time with the uh, women's team and the men's team um, has really been helpful and like I think when you have fun then you like achieve your goals in the process so it was kind of a rare meet where it's just the women right the men weren't there so what was that like yeah it was it was really fun I think that it really helped us like come together a lot more um and there were like men who came and cheered us right. on stuff but it was nice to have like that girl time on deck too <laughs> And then um, among your teammates, uh, I know I obviously fellow first year Monica Sears had a really good meet. Uh, I know yeah. she actually won the NESCAC championship in one of the events. What was that like to see your teammates do so well also? It was so inspiring to see everyone do well. I think that, like, at this meet, it was really, like, it showed all of, like, the hard work that we've put in as a team together. And I think that all of our great performances and, like, we had so many top eight finishes, so many people in finals, so many relays, like, placed really well. And so I think that that was just, like, a really inspiring thing to see how all the hard work has paid off. How much of a chance did you get to watch your teammates in action? Are you mostly uh, between events kind of cooling down or how did that work? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely that aspect of like focusing on making sure you're like cool down from your old race and like making sure you're ready for the next one. But there's a lot of time, like swim meets are kind of long. So there's definitely a lot of time in between to cheer. And I think that was a lot of fun. Yeah, because at NESCAC, you got the morning session, and then you have the late session. So what what do you do between sessions to like, stay focused and prepare for the next one? Um, well, we all have lunch together, and then we usually go back to the hotel and, like, try to take a nap or, like, put your legs up to, like, get rid of some of the soreness. Um, yeah, and we had, like, some, like, group meetings, too, in between sessions to just kind of, like, chat. So what are you going to be working on this week? I assume, obviously, practice is normal, I mean, just because, I mean, you know, the Nationals are coming up and everything. Yeah, we had a day off yesterday, which is really nice right. <laughs> um, to recover. But, um, yeah, we go back to practicing um, pretty regularly, like how we were practicing before, too, um, in preparation for Nationals. Last question, how are you liking this weather? Oh, this is the most snow I've ever seen in one place. <laughs> so it's it's nice, though. It's really pretty. All right. Well, Yannicka, thanks so much. And congrats again on being our Female Bobcat of the Week. Thank you.
The track and field teams competed at the Valentine Invitational over the weekend and turned in some big results. On the women's side, senior Allison Hill broke her own Bates 200-meter record. Junior Sally Cisse broke her own triple jump record, and the Bobcats also broke the team's record time in the 4x400 relay race. On the men's side, Bates recorded the sixth fastest distance medley relay race in Division III indoor history, finishing in 9 minutes, 49.74 seconds. Junior Jack Kiley anchored the race, running the final 1,600 meters in 4 minutes, 6.5 seconds. For his strong anchor leg in the program record-breaking performance, Jack Kiley is our male Bobcat of the week. Well, you know, we wanted to go down there and, and lay out a good qualifying time. We ran at uh, BU like two weeks earlier for the John Terrier invite. And we had a pretty good time there, but we knew that that wasn't going to travel. And uh, we wanted to take our chance at Valentine and run the qualifying time. Um, and then that, that way we don't have to go back and run a DMR at Tufts' final chance. So it gives us a little bit of breathing room to focus on some other events that we all want to try to qualify to. So like 800 for Pat, maybe the mile for me. Absolutely, and obviously very successful. Sixth fastest time ever run by a D3 team. When did you know that you'd run such a great time, and when did you learn? Well, Pat ran the leadoff leg, the 1,200, and he he ran a three flat, and that was four seconds faster than what he ran two weeks prior. And then I was like, I saw that, and I was like, all right, we're going to run fast. And then my coach, Coach, Fer, uh, coach Fresh, um, kind of called me over before I was about to go on the line. He's like, he's like, Jack, Pat just ran three flat. Now it's your turn. And uh that got me fired up, and I was like, let's let's go after it. Um, I didn't really expect to run what we did. I just got the baton and started running. Um, and thankfully, there's some few, there are two kids in front of me that I could chase down um, and have them to pull me along. So, Yeah, you ran the anchor leg, right? Yep, the 1600 leg. Uh, so, like, the mile leg, not really the mile, but. Right, close yeah. enough. And then, um, so what's it like to be the anchor to, to run the final leg for the team? Um, it's pretty nerve wracking um, being the last one on the line. Watching all your teammates go and kill kill it before you, you, you feel a little bit of a pressure. Um, but then again, once you, once I start running with the baton, it's just my mind kind of goes blank, and I hear my teammates, my coach cheering for me. So I had a uh, was really excited and just started running. It was a fun time. And it sounds like you guys are in a very good position to go to nationals in that event now. Yeah, we're well. Middlebury ran also really really well right. they broke the national record um so they're seated at like 954 mm -hmm. and we're at 957 um and that should travel for sure if unless a bunch of other d3 teams run near the national record so we're pretty confident that we're going to go um but you never know so we got to keep our options open I find it interesting that this year, all of a sudden, like the national record's just being assaulted by a bunch of D three teams like this. Yeah, I mean Amherst set it back in two thousand twelve, and yeah, there's always just a lot of talent um, up in the Northeast. Usually, NASCAR teams are the ones that go after these these kind of records. And uh, yeah, I mean Middlebury's got a phenomenal miler. I knew that going to the race, I wanted to try to compete with him, and uh, he ended up running like four oh five. So he definitely pulled me along, and it was it was a good it was a good time. Yeah, for sure. And then the next day, you set your uh, personal record in another event, right? Actually, that um, <laughs> that was accurate. <laughs> that uh, my my feet have been bothering me, and my coach pulled me out. So I went out and I scratched out of the thousand. And then, then lo and behold, when I got back to Bates, I checked Tfers, which is like the track and field reporting system. And yeah, so that I ran a two twenty nine in the thousand. I was like, 
that's not right. Um, so apparently some kid, I guess, took my hip number and hopped in the heat I was supposed to be in. So now, <laughs> technically, I ran a 229, which... I mean, yeah, it's a PR, but if I was the runner, I would hope to go on a little bit faster. So. so you weren't the one who ran that? No, I wasn't the one that ran that. I think it was a Rutgers kid, so that's, that's what I hear. Well, thanks to Rutgers, I guess. Yeah. I, maybe the, it's a PR uh, on Tiffers, so Tiffers. That's hilarious. All right. Well, I mean, do you ever do you see errors like that often, or is that that's kind of rare? That's the first that I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah. Um, I haven't even talked to my coach about that either, so I don't know what the deal is with that, if it'll be fixed or not. Interesting, interesting. Well, you know, that's the crazy world of college sports, I guess. But um, what's next for you guys? You got the indoors coming up. Uh, we have Division threes. yeah. yeah. Um, pretty sure, yeah, they're at Tufts. Um, so, you know, this is always a really competitive meet. Um, and I think this year our team's looking really, really good. We have, obviously, we have D-Ray in the throws. We have um, some really good distance guys like Joe Doyle, Mike Horowitz, Evan Ferguson Hull. They're our cross-country captains. Um, and then we have a freshman, James Jones, who I'm sure you've heard of from cross-country. Um, and then the mid-D guys who ran the DMR, I'm thinking we can all have a, a pretty good team effort and hopefully go after that title because MIT is usually really competitive, Tufts, Williams, and I think we're going to be up there with those, with those teams this week. Great. Well, uh, Jack, thanks so much for joining us here on the Bobcast. Congrats again on beating our male Bobcat of the week. Thank you very much, Aaron. The Alpine and Nordic skiing teams combined to finish 8th out of 15 teams at the Dartmouth Carnival. Saturday was a banner day for the Bobcats. With junior Sierra Ryder turning in a career-best carnival performance as she finished 10th in the slalom out of 49 collegiate skiers. In Nordic skiing, senior Sadie James also turned in a career-best carnival performance, finishing 5th out of 68 collegiate skiers in the 5K Classical Technique race. There is a lot of snow on the ground. But a pair of spring sports begin next week nonetheless. The baseball and tennis teams head to California to get their seasons going. The baseball team debuts Sunday at Chapman and plays five games next week. And they are led by new head coach John Martin, who came to Bates from Vassar over the offseason. Well, there's lots of snow outside, but it is almost baseball season here at Bates. The Bobcats get started Sunday and on their annual trip out west to California, and we're joined by the new head coach of the Bates baseball team, John Martin, to talk about the upcoming season. And, Coach, first of all, obviously in the NESCAC, you don't get to practice much before the year. First day of practice coming up Wednesday. And so as a, you're, as a new head coach here, first of all, what are you hoping to learn from the few days of practice before the trip? And then what are you hoping to learn during the trip about your Bobcats? Well, thanks for having me, Aaron. Um, you know, I, I think uh, it's, it's definitely a different challenge than what I'm used to um, with the NESCAC um, parameters that are, that are on our season. But I do, uh, you know, I do think that from, from what I've been able to gather that the, the guys are in pretty good shape. And uh, I know they're excited to play and, and get out of here and see the green grass and the sun finally. But, um, you know, I think we've, we've these few days coming up, we're going we're gonna to try to just get a look at our pitchers and make sure that they're, uh, they're as sharp as they can be at this point. Um, you know, being able to, to do what they've been, been doing um, to prepare themselves um, individually. But I also think that, uh, you know, we're going to go over just some basic X's and O's, um, try to do some cuts and relays and, and just some communication uh, for the few days leading up, and then we'll get on the plane and get out of here. So we're excited, and I think it, uh, uh, the guys are, are ready to go. And 
and we'll let the adrenaline take over once we get out there. Yeah, and then once you're out there, obviously, you're playing games against some tough competition who's been playing for a while in some of their cases, but uh, what's your strategy in terms of deploying pitchers, deploying your lineups in terms of trying to learn as much as you can about your players? Because you do have a, a ton of guys, and you have to figure it all out before an ESCAC play, basically, right? Yeah, we do. So we, we've got to give some guys a chance, and, and we've got to get a look at some combinations, um, especially in the infield and, and – uh, um, you know, kind of figure out whose role is going to be what on the mound um, and, and try to get an idea of, of how we can put our lineup together. You know, I think those are, are going to be some of the biggest things that, that we need to look out for. So, um, you know, I expect that there will be some mistakes. I, I don't expect perfection with just given the circumstances. But um, one thing I do want to see is I want to see our guys compete. I want to see our guys play hard. Um, we're only out there for a week before we come back to the snow. So let's get the most of it out of it we can. Um, and, and let's get a good feel coming back to the Northeast of, of what we got and what our abilities are as a team. Great. And then obviously I know you've talked with, I'm sure you've talked with Coach Leonard uh, about the team that you're inheriting here. Um, so who are some guys who you're kind of excited to see that you've heard about that you think are going to be big leaders for the team this season? Well, we do, we do have a big freshman class. Um, so Coach did a good job bringing in uh, some quality players, obviously, in that class. Um, but we do have a good a good amount of uh, leadership at the at the the back end of the roster too. So um, I think our junior senior class is is uh, working hard and, and they're trying to set the right example. One thing I've tried to do is is get a good clubhouse here and get a good atmosphere and get uh, get these guys kind of playing as a team and, and keeping it loose and fun. Uh, but at the same time, getting our work in and making sure that uh, you know each 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 day that they're waking up that they're being as productive as they can be. Um, to prepare themselves individually. Um, so I think that, that we've got a good, a good leadership. I think that uh, some of the seniors, our two captains, Ryan McCarthy and, and Brendan Fox, mm-hmm. um, will, will do a good job leading the way this year, by example. Um, and I think that, that anchoring down the pitching staff, I think we've got uh, three upperclassmen coming back, and, and uh, Anthony Teleska, Connor Speed, and Connor Russell. Mm-hmm. They've all played uh, good baseball. They've all logged some innings in. Uh, they're experienced. Um, so I'm looking for those guys to kind of lead the way and, and, and help this big freshman class get ready to go. Yeah, Connor Russell, after kind of a slow start last year, kind of had a breakthrough year for Bates. And, you know, as a potential weekend starter, what do you tell guys who are potential weekend stars about the difference between that and maybe being a midweek guy? Yeah, well, you know what? Our, our, my philosophy is I want to play every game with our best. So I, I don't really care um, who it is or when we're playing them. Um, whatever our best is, we're going to put it out on the field that day. So we're, we're going to play to win. Um, you know, NESCAT games or, or non-NESCAT games, uh, my job is to put the best product on the field and the guys that are in the lineup and the guys that are on the team to give them the best opportunity to win. So I think uh, I think that, that our pitchers are going to be primed. I think they're going to be ready to go. Um, you know, part of this, this, uh, this trip is going to be to figure out who is um, – can be stretched out as a starter, who's more of a middle relief kind of bridge guy, and then who can come into the back of the game and finish it. So I think once we get a, about five or six games under our belt and give everybody an appearance and see what they're capable of doing, I think we'll have a pretty good idea of, of who can handle what. Great. Obviously, this being your first year at Bates, what's been your favorite part about the transition here, and then what's been maybe the most difficult part so far for you? My favorite part, um, and, and it came to no surprise, I, I knew that there were just good people here and that, that the attitude was a – a positive one um, surrounding athletics, and, and it really is. And I think the guys on the team have been a great, done a great job 
uh, given given me some some space to kind of feel it out a little bit, but at the same time, um, some giving me some advice and 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 helping me through learn the ropes a little bit. So I really appreciate that. They've been great. Um, obviously, the weather recently. I mean, it's just been brutal, and and we got crushed with snow yesterday. So uh, it's going to be a while before this thing fall, uh, thaws out up here. But I think uh, you know that that was kind of expected. Moving to Maine to coach spring baseball, I should have. Uh, you know, been ready for that, but but for the most part, everything's been great. I'm just excited to get the guys together and and put the uniform on and get out there and play. Well, you came from upstate New York, so it can't be that big of a weather difference, right? <laughs> You'd be surprised. It is uh, it is to some extent. It's just a different type of snow up here. This is the real deal, and and so it's uh, you know, hopefully it'll start thawing out. The sun is out today, so hopefully it'll. It'll melt a little bit of it away, but there's nothing we can do about it. We're going to just get ready to go to California and figure it out after that. And you must be so excited, I mean, to go to California, to get the first game under your belt here at Bates. I mean, you've been doing this for a while, you know, at other programs, but it must be an exciting feeling to have the game so close now. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome, actually. You know, and I, I was kind of apprehensive about it uh, when I took this position. I knew that was the deal, just with the way the, the breaks line up here, but... Um, at the same time, it breaks up the monotony. We're going to get outside. Uh, we'll get in the sunshine quicker and, and, and sooner than anybody else in the conference and in the region for the most part. So uh, I'm fine with it. I think the guys are used to it for the most part. We're fine with it. It's baseball. We know how to play. We're just going to show up and, and, and put the hat on and, and get ready to go. So we'll be fine. All right, Coach. Thanks so much. Looking forward to the Bates baseball season coming up starting on Sunday. You got it. Thanks, Aaron. Go Bobcats. The men's and women's tennis teams both visit Westmont on Monday for their first match out West. Their head coach is Bates alum Paul Gassengay, back for his 21st season. Yeah, it's a pretty special trip every year because we get to spread out and play on, practice on a lot of courts outside. And we, we play six matches total, three with the men, three with the women against some of the best teams in the country. Uh, we, we lead off with Westmont who's an NAIA team. They were, uh, I believe, national champs a couple years ago with the men, and the women are, are a strong team as well. And then we both, uh, both teams play Pomona, who are perennially great teams, uh, you know, top eight, top five in the country. And, uh, and then the women play uh, Caltech, and the men play uh, Claremont at the end of the week. So they were national champs a couple years ago too. So it's a you know, it's a daunting task. You you have a few days of practice, and you go out and you start playing this really high level immediately. But that's what I love about it is, you know, we don't fear anyone, and we go out. The guys know they had to train all winter to get ready for this because we only have a few days of practice. So um, it really is, a, you know, a great opportunity for our guys to go out and test themselves and see where they're at, and and we'll have a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, obviously the headliner on – for. For both teams, really, uh, Ben Rosen for the men, you know, an All-American last year as a sophomore. How excited are you to see where he can take this next? Very excited to have him back. He's a leader on and off the court. Uh, and, you know, he's playing good ball right now, but, you know, he was away last semester, and, you know, there's little things we have to work on. Uh, just like everyone else, you know, we're constantly every day trying to, uh, you know, improve and find parts of our game that, that – will take us to the next level and, and tweak a couple of things. But uh, they're training hard. They're looking good. Uh, the women's team is uh, excited to have Maisie back as well, who's abroad. She was our number one last year. But I, I have to say this is the, the best group we've ever had, uh, both men and women, in terms of training in the offseason. And uh, they really did a great job.
Yeah, the, on the women's side, you you have you know there's three top players back. You know, Maisie, Elizabeth, and and Bella, who last year really made an impact as a first year, right? Yeah, they're all outstanding athletes, and uh, they're committed, and they work hard, and they understand it's a team effort, and you know, in, individuals score points, but you know they all push each other in, in training every day, in practice, and in the weight room, or running, or doing all our our out of season uh, workouts, and you know they've really taken it to another notch, and and looking forward to it. And then switching back over to the men's side, obviously Ben kind of the headliner after last year, but obviously Chris Ellis uh, makes up a great doubles team with Ben, and also is a very good singles player himself. Where is he at right now in his progress? Chris is looking great. He had a great summer. Unfortunately, he had a a real bad uh, ankle injury at the end of the summer in a tournament, um, but he was really top form all summer. Uh, playing a lot of men's tournaments and having a lot of success. He's looking good now. He's finally back uh, close to 100%. And uh, I know he gives it everything he has on the court all the time. And he, no one trains harder than Chris. Uh, we have to just get him to take a day off once in a while. <laughs> right, right. Obviously, you know, all winter the team's been been training, you know, on their own indoors, though. And now they're going to head to California and play outdoors in the bright sun. That's a big difference, right? It's a huge difference, but like I said, they, they treat it as an opportunity, and they're grateful to be outside in the sun, in the warmth, and it never fails. Every year we go out and we play some of our best tennis in the first week of the year. So um, these courts are great. We're very fortunate to have a great indoor facility, and you know they play similar to a hard court, a little bit faster, but it gets us ready, and uh, yeah, we'll, be, we'll be raring to go. Great, and then who are maybe some – under the radar, or maybe some newcomers, even some first years, who you're really excited to see uh, this season, uh, how they can contribute to the team effort. Well, we've got uh, Isabel Ravinsky, who's uh, an outstanding player, all-court game, just a real fighter and, and just real savvy on the court. Uh, and Lauren Hernandez, uh, who's very athletic and has some great double skills already. Um, Susie Elfman is another outstanding first year and she unfortunately got injured uh, this week but uh, we'll look forward to her return later this spring um, and on the men's side you know we have four amazing first years um, Jacob Eisenberg hasn't been able to really uh, play until about a month ago because he had hip surgery in the summer so he's coming back strong now um, and then we've got uh, Vid who's playing unbelievable tennis had a great great uh finish in the fall with adam schwartz at doubles uh made the finals of the b flight um we've got nick glover who had an outstanding fall uh especially in doubles with uh, josh keanu uh so looking forward uh to seeing what they're gonna do as well as uh josh uh i'm sorry jacob uh, coppola and uh jacob is uh playing some really good doubles right now great athlete so you know, we've got a lot of interchangeable parts, and so, you know, we're a team, and it's it's really going to depend on who, who plays the best against other competition, who fights the hardest, who works the hardest, who has the best attitude, and those players will see time in the lineup. So it's a good problem to have, but we have a lot of great players, so... Yeah, and how lucky do you feel as a coach that you get the opportunity to have kind of a sneak peek of your team in that fall season? Because other spring sports coaches don't have that same luxury. <laughs> exactly. Uh, tennis is still uh, in that old model, and we're very fortunate to have that, not only for on the court, but just to be with our kids right away at the start of school and sort of get them into the right mode uh, academically, 
in you know managing their time and 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 putting that together with tennis um so we sort of have that opportunity to to get them in the right mode and that carries through the investment season as we call it in between the seasons and then you know uh they're they're really picking up steam now heading into the spring do you set any specific goals either with your team or in your own mind about what you would consider a kind of successful season or do you just kind of in generally kind of know one when you see one yeah, that's a it's a interesting question because, we, as you know, the NESCAC and NESCAC tennis is probably the most competitive sport in NESCAC. I mean, we've got so many, uh, like seven or eight nationally ranked teams out of eleven. It's it, you know it's it's very very uh, rigorous schedule that we have, and then we add to it. So I don't try to really uh, pin us in with a an end of season goal. It's obviously to to make NESCACs and then see where we can go, uh, get, get to NCAAs. But we really take it match by match, week by week, and just keep improving every day. That's the part we control and keep working on our craft, keep getting better, keep getting stronger. And we'll be where we are at the end of the season, and it's really the day-to-day that's going to fuel that. All right, well, men's and women's tennis getting started next week in California. Paul Gassengay, thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll recap how the men's swimming and diving team fares at the NESCAC Championships this weekend. We'll also recap the quarterfinals of the NESCAC Championships for both basketball teams, and we'll let you know if the men's squash team can take back the home cup at Team Nationals. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates.